Hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters Europe, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Philippe Durand, Employment Law Partner with Auguste de Bouzy in Paris. In this special series of podcasts, we will be looking at employment and labor issues affecting businesses and organizations specifically in our European jurisdictions. In addition to discussing the important stories and events happening in these countries, we are fortunate to have the opportunity to dial in our local ELA lawyers who practice in these jurisdictions and are working on a daily basis to assist their local clients. Joining us today on the program is Stefan Lochner. Stefan is a partner at Brighton Burkhardt in Germany, And I think, Stefan, you are joining us today from your home in Munich, right? Hi, Philippe. Greetings from Munich. It's correct. I'm in Munich today, but luckily not at home at the moment. I returned from home office into, into our normal office, so I'm back at my workplace. Okay. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. So let's go directly to uh, the topic of today. The topic for us today is a kind of original approach and angle is future collective agreements in Germany. Mm-hmm. So my first question to you would be that those agreements, Stefan, seem to be more and more significant in Germany. But could you start by explaining to our audience today what those agreements really are in Germany and why do they more and more come into the focus of labor unions and employers associations in Germany? Of course, thank you. Well, What we in Germany call future collective agreements are, when you come from a mere formal approach, nothing else than uh, traditional collective bargaining agreements concluded between, an, as you say, uh, as an employer's association and a trade union. However, what makes them new and interesting for us, in particular the labor lawyers, is what their content is and the goals that are intended to be achieved with such future collective agreements. because. In contrast to usual collective bargaining agreements that you, for example, also have in France, they do not deal with the working conditions of employees, meaning in particular the duration of working time or remuneration questions, but they want, and that's their main focus, their main goal, they want to support employers in transformation processes and they want to ensure in particular, that the unions have a possibility to bring forward their ideas in, in such kind of process. And so considering this, what makes them new in particular compared to the already well-known collective agreements on job site protection or employment securities are that they go far beyond the scope of these traditional restructuring collective bargaining agreements because collective bargaining agreements on site protection and employment, they only intend to preserve a existing operation and allow the employer to reduce salaries for a limited time or to make more flexible use of, of working times for a limited time. And on the other side, the employer has to give job protection or site protection. So it's a very retrospective approach that these traditional collective agreements have. And also the precondition for using these traditional collective bargaining agreements on site or, or job protection was always that 
the company was somehow yeah, in a critical situation close to insolvency and then the collective agreements allowed to, to deviate from the normal uh, tariff standards. So that was a very retrospective, retroactive approach. And on the, on the opposite to set or, or compared to that, the future collective agreements, they do not have a goal to describe what deviations can be made in a concrete current critical situation, but they intend to come into effect at a far earlier stage in the process by helping employers to not end up finally in a critical situation at all. So it's something in advance before you come to a crisis. And therefore, that's something really new and really interesting here in Germany. And considering the, the second part of your question, why is that becoming more and more important here in Germany at the moment? The truth simply is we, we have these future collective agreements mainly in the metal industry sector. And there we have tremendous changes and assume that's rather similar in France. According to current surveys, about one third of the jobs in this sector are at risk to be lost forever because of, you know, e-mobility and digitalization and things like that. And so there is really a tremendous need for guidelining and for influencing these change processes. And that's why these future collective agreements become more and more important. Well, thank you for that. What I'm really understanding, Stefan, is that different scope, original tool, and really adapted to a transformation or a transition process. But maybe you could be at this stage for our audience, Stefan, a bit more detailed about the actual content of those future collective bargaining agreements. Of course, of course. First and for all, one has to understand that, as I said before, future collective agreements, other than the previous job side or employment protection agreements, do not refer to a a specific economic situation of a company or an industrial sector, but aim to help companies to successfully implement transformation processes due to digitalization or e-mobility or, or whatever comes up and to develop strategies for being successful in these fields in the future. Therefore, and that's the major difference between what we traditionally know and what is the content of these future collective agreements is, that you will never ever find any specific solutions on how to handle a specific situation in one of these future collective agreements. They merely set up a process for implementing means to realign a company to be, to be prepared for the future and to, to handle transformation processes. Yet considering what has already been agreed upon based on such future collective agreements, so the, the possible outcome out of this process, this can be categorized and often you find setting up rules or framework provisions for longer lasting company transition processes. You find detailed proposals for changes of the operational structures of a company, the production process or the product portfolio. Sometimes the process ends with the suggestion of specific provisions on staff, further education to enable the employees to yeah, carry out more highly qualified jobs in the future compared to what they are doing at the moment. Or very often you find 
the impl implementation of certain incentive programs to promote flexible working models or to improve efficiency of a site in general. So, yeah, there's a very wide variety, a wide range of what can be agreed upon. And in the end, it, yeah, it just depends what is necessary according to the parties involved to face the challenges of the future, what can be the outcome of it. Okay, so we, we talked about the general context. We talked about the content. This is basically a very original toolbox you're telling us about today, Stefana. And that's very interesting, I think, in the context of a country, Germany, where collective bargaining agreements are really a key part of your employment law system. Now, maybe we could move to some procedural aspects. Maybe you could give us, us and our audience today, you could give some information about what kind of specific procedures or procedural rules that would be common or would generally be applicable in order to execute, negotiate these kind of future collective bargaining agreements, Stefan? Well, in fact, before I go into to more details, you always have to keep in mind that the trade unions in Germany, you know, they are very regionalized. So you have, for example, the, the metal union in, in the northern part of Germany, they can negotiate other agreements compared to, to the union in, in Bavaria, for example, where I live. So all over Germany, there are no generally applicable rules that really do apply everywhere, but there are some main major principles you can find out or you can, can handle with. So as I mentioned before, the first principle that you will find in all future collecting agreements is that, as mentioned before, there are no specific provisions on what a company shall do to face the challenges of the futures only a process on how to handle the transformation process is implemented. So that's, as you said, a toolbox. It's not something, what do the employer has to do or what do the, the, the works council has to do? It's just a toolbox, what, what helps to, to find the, the suitable solutions for the company. Always there are three parties involved in this process because we are talking about collective agreements. That's the employer, that's the works council, and that are the trade unions. And each of those parties can ask the other parties to commence talks about how to deal with the transformation process without, and that's a difference to the more traditional job site protection or employment protection, um, collective bargaining agreements, without a need for a critical situation. So you can just ask for negotiations because you think the company is facing some necessity to change due to digitalization or to e-mobility or something like that. So that's just sufficient to, to start the process according to these future collective agreements. What is important, that's just an offer in particular to the employee. There is no obligation for neither party and in particular, also not for the employer to start such talks and to negotiate respective agreement. It's just a proposal and offer by the unions and the works council to discuss that. Yet, if talks commence, all the currently existing future collective agreements provide that at the beginning of this process, there has to be an analysis of the current situation of the company, what challenges have to be expected. And that then is the basis for the future talks between the parties. And as I said before, based on the results of this analysis, the parties can discuss everything that, in their opinion, might help to successfully complete the transformation process, though there are actually no limits. And as far as 
the employer is willing to consent almost everything is possible as an outcome of, of this process. What are other general principles? Almost all collective future agreements provide that if an agreement on a certain outcome can be reached, then uh, this shall be laid down in writing just to ensure that everyone knows what was agreed upon and to make clear what shall be done in the future. But in any case, and that's really important when talking about future collective agreements, you always have to keep in mind that it's just an offer, but not an obligation. We have a principle here in Germany, what we call the freedom of business of the employer that is uh, even stipulated in our constitution. And therefore, the employer has to decide what he wants to do with his company and everything what is suggested by the unions or by the works council, they, that can just be a suggestion, but it's not really something that can be enforced. And therefore, that's what all these future collective agreements obey. They just set up an offer, a process, but they do not have any conflict mechanism or something like that that really can force the employer to change the product portfolio or something like that. So that, that's important to understand. Hello, everyone. It's Pete Walsh from Employment Matters. We have a special announcement we're excited to share with our listeners. Next month, we're going to be premiering a new series called Travel Tuesdays, doing business in somewhere interesting among the ELA membership. That's where we're going to be finding out a lot more about doing business in various jurisdictions around the globe. The series will be a supplement to what we call our Global Employer Handbook. For those familiar with the ELA, it's on our ELA website. It's an invaluable tool of reference for doing business around the world. So stay tuned to our premiere episode. It'll be coming on Tuesday, October 5th. There you're gonna meet my co-host, Steve Hirschfeld, and learn about doing business in California. Then we're gonna jump up to Manitoba, Canada, and finally down to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Hope you join us then. Of course, of course, thank you for that. Of course, you know, Stefan, that uh, our audience uh, on this kind of postcards is mainly advising companies on uh, advising employers. So. You said one thing that I would like us to come back to, if you don't mind. You, you, you did say that getting into a future collective agreement is only a kind of offer the employer would make to unions and the works council. If I understood correctly, you were saying that there was no requirement, there was no obligation to execute this kind of uh, agreement to support, for example, any kind of uh, transformation or, or transitional process. Could you come back to that? Point because I think this kind of flexibility would be of interest to our audience. Yeah, that's you're you're talking about a, a very important point, in particular a very important point with regards to the connection between the future collective agreements and other possible rights, in particular of the Works Council, because what you just summarized is as a general principle absolutely correct. What these future collective agreements provide is an offer, but not an obligation to discuss what is best to change the product portfolio or to change work staff to face any challenges of the future. However, this general principle, just an offer, but not an obligation, only applies when it comes to the setting up of guidelines for a transformation process as a result out of these future collective agreements. And it only applies as far as we are talking about obligations arising from the future collective agreements themselves. But as you might imagine, this process very often is the starting point of much more to do at the end, because 
you negotiate or you talk, negotiate is a boring word, but you talk with the unions and the works council about what, in their opinion, has to be done in the future to be competitiveness again. And this usually triggers out a necessity to implement certain measures, reduce workforce, relocate sites or something like that. And these measures that have to be implemented, they often trigger co-determination rights of the Works Council. For example, if you have to implement a so-called, what we call it here in Germany, a operational change, you have to negotiate with the Works Council a so-called reconciliation of interest or a social plan, and that's really enforceable, then you must accept that offer and you have to negotiate or you have to, to talk about compensation payments for employees who have to leave or things like that. And if you do not come to a conclusion, and that's the difference between the future collective agreements and those legal rights of, of the Works Council, if you do not come to a conclusion with the Works Council, then he can ask you to go before a so-called reconciliation board. And there they can even decide against the will of, of the employer that there have to be severance payments or that there have to be some other financial advantages for employees who have to leave the company. So it's true or it's correct what we have discussed as far as we are talking about the process of how we can handle transformation processes. That's just an offer. But if the result or the outcome of this process is that we do have to change specific things in the company, this often triggers co-determination rights. And that can really be a, a strong force for the Works Council to really bring in his ideas in that. Though so you always have to, to, to differ between these two levels. Very clear. Very clear. Thank you for that. Stefan, that could be my last question to you today. If we would focus on the guideline transition processes, could you provide our audience today with a few other legal provisions that would be relevant and that should be taken into account when it comes to future collective agreements, please? I'm happy to do so. Talking about the difference between the collective bargaining level and the level of works constitution. When talking about transformation processes, you always have to keep in mind a provision in the German Works Constitution Act that I'm sure many of our listeners will not ever heard of. It's, it's uh, section 92A of the German Works Constitution Act. It's a provision that has been included in the Works Constitution, I think, four or five years ago, but it's hardly ever used in, 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 in practice here in Germany. What's the main focus or the main content of this provision? Um, according to this provision in the German Works Constitution Act, the Works Council is entitled to propose to the employer measures to protect and to promote employment, such as, for example, flexible working time models or promoting part-time work. And if the Works Council makes such a proposal to the employer based on Section 92A of the German Works Constitution Act, the employer, and that's a difference to the future collective agreements, then the employer is obliged really to discuss the proposal with the Works Council. And if the employer thinks that those proposed measures by the Works Council are ineffective or inappropriate or whatever, he cannot just say, well, nice to talk with you about that. But I don't want to do that. He has to give reasons why he doesn't follow the suggestions. So it's, it's more difficult for him to really refuse what the Works Council suggests. 
So similar to the future collective agreements, the Works Council does not need a specific reason for proposing such measures. And furthermore, he can only ask the employer to discuss his proposals with him, but cannot enforce any specific measures. So as our listeners might see, the scope is very similar to that of future collective agreements. The major difference is that based on them, based on the future collective agreements, also unions are involved, which is not the case when we're talking about the legal provisions in the Works Constitution Act. And the idea behind these future collective agreements is that unions often have more power to enforce changes compared to the Works Council. And therefore, it is more likely that the ideas of the employees are really brought into this change process. And one big intention, at least by the unions, by promoting these future collective agreements is to bring Section 92A of the German Works Constitution Act more to life compared to the actual situation due to their involvement. And if such processes are commenced, then based on the future collective agreements, that then the specific obligations imposed by the Works Constitution Act, as we just discussed, for example, the necessity to negotiate a reconciliation of interest, then come into force and, and really give guideline and also negotiating power to the Works Council. Well, and yeah, we'll have to see whether or not this idea or intention becomes true. Yet one thing is already now sure. The major changes employers are facing due to digitalization and other major changes, such as the shift to e-mobility, will bring necessary measures to face the requirement changes in the focus of the negotiations between the unions, works councils, and employers. And therefore, I'm sure that we will hear a lot more about these future collective agreements, not only in Germany, but all over Europe. Well, thank you very much, Stefan. And, and as you said, the economic situation in certain industry is so worrying and sometimes even bad that those agreements might be more and more relevant. And I'm glad to say that I learned something because obviously in Germany, you execute collective bargaining agreements with the Works Council, which we would not do in France, for example, where we would execute those agreements only with units. So thanks again, Stefan. And thanks for joining us today on the program. If you would like to connect with Stefan Nochner from Germany or any of our lawyers around the world, please search for them on the ELA website at ELALaw, that's dot L-A-W, of course, where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive global employer handbook. You have been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Philippe Durand, and thank you for listening today.